Welcome to another Booch News podcast with Ian Griffin. So I'm on the phone today with Jason Wagner, who's the founder of Jay's Kombucha out there in St. Paul, Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. How are you doing, Jason? Hi, Ian. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's great to connect with somebody. Uh, as you and I have talked about, I, I actually lived in Bloomington, Minnesota, in the Twin Cities back in the early 80s for four years, and uh, it's a great corner of the world. And uh, I understand you grew up in Wisconsin, but you've made St. Paul your home. Um, what made you decide to – what got you into kombucha? When did you meet your first SCOBY, so to speak? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So over a decade ago, uh, when my oldest son was a little over a year old, we discovered that he had extremely severe allergies. And we discovered this while on a mountaintop in Switzerland. And he ate a piece of unpasteurized cheese from my plate, and his whole face started going red. Whereupon we decided uh, we needed to get out and find a doctor as soon as possible we've made our way to the only emergency room on the top of the mountain one doctor was there we were able to um, get him an IV and calm it down but that kind of introduced me to a world that I wasn't expecting to be a part of which was um, you know trying to help manage and mitigate um, the severe allergies that my son had and we brought him to an allergist, and it turned out he was allergic to everything in the cookbook and the dictionary, and all he could eat was rice, um, basically. And so I started researching and looking for ways to mitigate this, and I learned about the allergy-immune system connection. And I had reason to believe that strengthening his gut health would improve his immune system, that this in turn would lead to less severe allergic reactions, you know, almost 70% or over 70% of your immune system lives in your gut. So it made sense to me. And since he couldn't have dairy or anything like that, he needed to find something, something else. And that's when I came across kombucha. Um, so it was somewhere either in the late aughts or the early teens where I found it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just started brewing it. And um, fortunately, he, was, uh, he enjoyed the taste enough to start drinking it. And within a year... Um, he started to shed some of his allergies and was less, you know, reactive on a daily basis. We went from giving him Benadryl pretty much every day to, you know, having, having uh, days go by where there's no reactions and now weeks, months, years. And, you know, fast, uh, flat, uh, flash forward into the future and he's now working there. Uh, he's actually on the packaging line today. <laughs> so okay. kind of a nice full circle for us. So fam- definitely a family business. Um, it's cr- it's uh, interesting that is that. I mean, um, there's a I imagine a whole world of parents who have children with allergies of various kinds. Is this known in the I don't know on the Facebook groups or in the discussion groups that people with uh, similar uh, conditions tend to have? Is, is is have you seen discussion of kombucha in more generally amongst allergy affected uh, families? Uh, no, I haven't really seen it as a tool that is widely um, prescribed. I mean, it makes sense that it wouldn't be. And I, 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 I'm reluctant to 
really advocate for it as such. Um, I think it's, it's one of many things you can do to help your immune system be able to work on its own. You know, it's more of a functional medicine approach. And, you know, with allergies being um, primarily combated by Western medicine, it hasn't really been adopted as much. I mean, I've talked to some doctors who do sound very interested, and um, you know, we've been to different events like um, where we've had people sample it and, and uh, you know, ask a lot of questions about how they could maybe integrate it into their practice. It depends on the doctor, and, uh, but, but I haven't really seen it uh, widely um, touted as a, as a way to mitigate allergies. So, so you don't have a kind of a loyal customer base where you know that they're uh, buying Jay's kombucha because it helps with an allergy. It's not something you've noticed in your customers as such. No, no. This is this was just a kind of a personal story uh, for you know my own um, introduction to it, and the the reason why I was drawn to it was from a need, and it went from being a need to just being something we can't put down and you know uh it i've been brewing it for a little over a decade before uh, deciding to to take it to the commercial level so it was something that's just been in my life and in my family's life and at some point people just started referring to it as jay's kombucha because jay's kombucha is just a letter or it's because it's simple simple neutral and malleable it can mean different things to different people Maybe you have a name that starts with J or care about someone who does. So it's a, bit, a little bit nebulous and ambiguous and invites someone to bring their own interpretations to it. So that's eventually what I decided it would be. Uh, Jay's kombucha sounded, sounded good. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's actually uh, works for GT Dave to have GTs, and you're, you're even one letter less. So it's, uh, uh, yeah. A good role model there. So, so you said you decided uh, after 10 years of home brewing and your family enjoying the kombucha, your friends presumably, what, what, made you t- what was the steps in actually becoming a, a commercial operation? How did that come about? So in uh, 2016, I made a decision to move on from my then career in academic publishing. I ran a small press called Univocal Publishing that is now uh, series with the University of Minnesota Press. And um, so they picked that up, and uh, I was looking for different uh, projects to, to fill the void that I now needed, and um, eventually settled on kombucha because it was already and always there uh, when people would come to the office uh, at the publishing house. You know, we'd have really great books that we'd want to share with them, but they'd always look at the bottle I had on my desk and ask, you know, what, what is that? And then I'd have people leaving with kombucha and a lot of great conversations about it that just kind of happened without, you know, any effort. And that felt really good. Um, and, you know, the more I looked at it, kombucha was something that I really believed in for all the obvious, uh, you know, health benefits that we've discussed and others have made uh, clear. And uh, it just seemed like something that in Minnesota, while there are kombucha brewers here, none of them were necessarily automated or at a scale that could compete with some of the Western uh, or West Coast and East Coast companies that are currently some, somewhat dominating the, the shelves. And so I thought, um, 
that you know if if, uh, if I was going to do it that I would need to go all in and I wanted to start at a larger scale and skip the small home brewing uh, you know sort of scaling up and just go straight to straight to a, a clean room facility that had um, a food safety plan in mind during its construction so all stainless steel and um, a very uh, you know sort of rigorous sanitation plan all of that thing so that once we started to grow um, it would be easier to increase volume and 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 also um, it would appease some of the larger uh, customers that we would want to target if we had certain food safety uh, uh, certifications or a certain plan going on like SQF certification um, and that sort of thing. And so during 2019, I made the decision to um, start construction and then the pandemic hit and um, everything got slowed down, of course, and it allowed me to have a little bit more distance to kind of focus on some of these very important uh, fundamental aspects of making food um, before even getting started. So I took food safety courses um, and that sort of thing. And then that informed the way I, uh, I was able to sort of envision this space and then eventually set it up over the next couple of years. And then in uh, the summer of 2021, we opened our doors uh, for the first time. So we've only been around for about two years now. Yeah, and, and I mean, what you just said about food safety, actually, I'm looking on your Instagram, it's like a TikTok video from earlier this week showing the disinfectants, I guess, you've got stainless steel, somebody's using a squeegee. This is all part, well, you mentioned SQF. What does that stand for? Um, that stands for Safe Quality Food. And it's one of oh. the many different certifications that you can get, but it's one of the more comprehensive ones. And um, we've been working with an SQF consultant since last year to kind of um, beef up our, our food safety plan and provide us with the support that we need to tailor that to our particular process. Um, right. And it's, you know, it's a lot of work and, you know, nobody asked us to. And um, my team has been extremely patient with some of the, you know, paperwork that's involved. But once you have it set up, it gives you um, a, a much, it gives you peace of mind. You have traceability. Um, you also, you know, you're, you're, you know, your product is being made as clean as you possibly can. And, you know, that should concern all of the kombucha brewers and not just the ones that are trying to scale up because we're all, you know, categorically connected through kombucha. And when something happens to one brand, it kind of happens to all of us. I mean, everyone can or most people can remember the 2010 somewhat, you know, when Whole Foods had the whole GTs uh, exploding bottles or gushing bottles. Like, you know, that, 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 that affected the entire industry. Um, yeah. Um, if I can just then get more specific, you've got this dedicated production facility. Um, how many square feet is that? I mean, what kind of space are you occupying? So the space uh, where we, uh, our clean room is about 2,000 square feet. And it's oh. actually housed within um, the, form, the building that formerly canned SPAM, <laughs> the American oh, Canning right. Facility. It's a huge okay. building. It's over 500,000 square feet. And there are other breweries and coffee roasters and uh, okay. indoor golf 
mini golf course and axe throwing. And it's a really, it's a really unique, interesting building. This is the St. Paul Creative Enterprise Zone that you mentioned in your, in your. It's a, yeah, well. well, that's that's the neighborhood, and we're in the Prior Works building. Right, and I'm looking at a photograph. Actually, you're drinking. Is I guess that's you with a enormous. Again, another TikTok from May. Uh, some two-gallon uh, glass of kombucha. Uh, it, that's you, is it, with the beard drinking away? Yeah, that um, that is me. And um, yes, yeah. that that was a very heavy heavy cup. Yeah, you've got you're getting a good workout. But I can see behind you. I mean, I'm guessing because I've seen them at the kombucha conference. Those look like the stout tanks, uh, low-profile stainless steel vessel. In other words, you're not yep. those are yeah. sprayed, and that that's right. Those are the those are yeah. the symbiosis filters or symbiosis fermenters that stout tanks and kettles makes. I, um, and that's and what yeah, that you use. That was your pride, That's your fermentation method then in those trays. As opposed to yeah, those are, yeah, those are those are the fermenting trays, um, and that's also one of the reasons why I felt comf- more comfortable going into um, a commercial uh, scale with kombucha was because of those trays and their promise to keep alcohol low and below 0.5. Um, yeah. It's very difficult to do that without that, and that was one of my main concerns. And, uh, you know, the first time we had our alcohol tested at the lab, at our local lab, it came back at like 0.17. And they were like, how did you do that? (laughs) And so it was, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. Our first, our first experiences with them were, were very positive. And, um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a lot of them in operation right now and um, take a little bit more work to clean and to cover up, but, um, the way that they ferment and the uh, quality of the kombucha that comes out of them is is uh, undeniably, uh, or we we believe it's it's a better product. And and just to be clear, you're 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 canning your kombucha. It's got this very low alcohol by volume because of the the, the stout tanks methodology. Um, it, it, but it, it is it's all it's natural kombucha right you're not filtering you're not pasteurizing it's uh made with organic fruits and herbs is that correct yep that's correct uh we're it's uh all the raw um active culture um we don't we don't uh filter it we do cold crash and strain it so we try Mm -hmm. to get rid of um try to get rid of the goo or the cultural strands that um you know some some people like those and i'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum but you know we we prefer uh, uh just a, a cleaner kombucha and, and find that a lot of the people that um you know for example my children uh that which is one of the reasons why i started they would always prefer the without the without the the cultural strands and you know right. I, I think a lot of people do too and that's another thing about um having it in cans is that people um, aren't looking at it, even though it is it is uh, fairly clear and clean. Um, it um, it doesn't have that those weird strands, you know, staring yeah. back at you. And you also, I saw you you've got keg kegs and growlers available. You you've got quite a distribution around mostly the Twin Cities, a little further into outstate Minnesota. Um, 
when you, again, from your website, to say, I see it's com distributed throughout southeastern Minnesota by Hohenstein, is that it, uh, in Woodbury. Um, how, what, was the, what was the adoption curve, so to speak? When you first started, uh, you said back in 2021, did you go through the traditional kind of, you had a farmer's market booth or three, and then a few cafes and a few more, or, or were you able to leap more quickly to a broader distribution? Yeah, um, so we were able to acquire distribution within the first few months, actually. Um, and that was, that was the plan. Um, and the, the reason why I aimed that way uh, was the experience I had in publishing, the necessity of having distribution, um, just from experiences of knowing how much more extra effort that takes to have uh, a well-functioning distribution system. It's like having another business. It, it costs a lot, but it allows, it allows you to expand much quicker. And also at some point, I think even if you do get to the, to the point where you're extremely large, you're going to want distribution unless you, unless you want like a fleet of trucks. And I'm just not interested in that aspect of it. And I feel that the, the, the amount of networking and contacts that has come baked in with the distributor, um, you know, it, 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 gives you, it gives you a lot of opportunities that you might not have otherwise had. Um, yeah. So if they and have, have you got any, uh, yeah, have you got any guidance or any hints, like a one or two maybe things you? Because um, I've heard from many smaller brewers that that finding a distributor is a bit of a brick wall. Sometimes it's a challenge to with the both the margin that they need as well as finding somebody who understands kombucha. I mean, what would you if you had to share one tip for a brand? elsewhere in the country that maybe is looking for a distributor, what, what would be a key thing to, to find? I don't know that there's one thing um, that you can do, but it's almost they, wanna, they wanted to see that you have the infrastructure capable to meet the volume that is eventually coming. Um, you should plan for success and not be surprised when it comes. Expect to have a lot of volume and 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 you know do things to make sure you can keep up with that that and when a distributor sees that you have the infrastructure in place um, that goes a long way to show them that you're serious and i know that's it's hard to do that it's hard to put that ahead of of other things um and so i, I the way we did it is extremely it's not going to be the path that everybody's going to be able to take but that's the way it it, it worked out for us was Having having the ability to do it, um, you know, was 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 uh, and showing them we're serious. You know, having a team uh, that was that was on board at the beginning. I you know had to also convince um, you know some very talented people to uh, take a chance on on our facility and on me. Um, and once I started convincing them, uh, everything fell into place. Having, having a good team leads to good things. Um, and uh, being able to stand behind, you know, all of those, all of those uh, uh, decisions that you've made and explain them uh, is kind of what the distributor wants to see. Like we had Sankey kegs, for example, um, and the reason why we chose that 
is because that's what you see on draft lines a lot of times. Um, whereas corny kegs, you know, there's, there are, there are uh, some venues that have draft lines for that, but a lot of them prefer to stay, you know, in one system. And Sankey is the, is uh, the most common, common one used. And, you know, there's definitely financial barriers to those because you have to then get a keg cleaner. And, uh, there, there, you know, it's not, it's not as simple as saying, you know, get, get a Sankey keg because there's, there's a financial cost wrapped up in all of them. So, um, yeah. you know, money is it, money so is a big, is a big issue. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm curious, uh, just if we can touch on a couple of metrics, you've mentioned your team. How many total are on the team? How many people are involved in Chase Kombucha? Um, well, let's see. We have uh, five full-time employees and then about four part-time. Um, okay. Some of them are doing things as, uh, you know, like we have brand ambassadors that sample once a week or something like that at a high V or a fresh time or a co-op in town or something like that or yeah. a state fair or something. So. Um, but then we also have – oh, sorry, go on. What kind of volume are you doing? I mean, you've ramped up from very short time. You've got to distribute – I mean, in terms of, I don't know, numbers of cans or gallons or however you'd measure it. I mean, approximate size of the volume of production. Sure. We're, we're uh, brewing about either, you know, 10 or 20 barrels a week. Um, and we're, you know, selling about 2,400 cans or so. Um, a, a week, maybe, you know, 10,000 a month, um, where, you know, it, it depends on the, the month, you know, next month we're going to have the state fair and that always, um, is our, is our best month, um, by, by far. Uh, we have, a uh, um, an agreement with, uh, produce exchange. They're, uh, really great local vendor who sell things like, you know, peaches and, and uh, goat cheese drizzled with honey. It's like one of the only healthy sort of options you can find at the fair. And they put things like fruit in the kombucha, do fruit and kombucha. Or I think they're also going to do a uh, um, kombucha float as well this year. Yeah, it's better than the uh, Butter Mountains or whatever else. I've, I remember from the Minnesota State Fair, it's a lot oh, of deep yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah. yeah. Um, now, we haven't talked about flavors yet I, I i see you've got a lot of fruit flavors blackberry mango uh, mint lime ginger uh, quite a range uh, raspberry lime ginger but i'm curious to know you, you mentioned that you've called it jays and uh, you don't need to be a child of the 60s to be intrigued by one can you've made called purple jays which to me uh, reminds me of Jimi hendrix's purple haze and it's a thc infused kombucha um, uh, for a start, I know a lot of brands use CBD, but THC, I thought was, you know, there was like federal regulations about cannabis, uh, active cannabis. I mean, what, what, what's your, uh, take on that? Yeah. So that was a surprise to me, uh, that we were even able to do this. Um, but the Minnesota laws have recently changed and, um, we are one of the only uh, kombuchas out there that is infused with THC, as you mentioned, which is, is something of a unique um, um, aspect to it. And uh, we had to work with uh, 
a company on developing a uh, emulsion that would blend properly with kombucha because there's all of these considerations uh, with kombucha um, that uh, if you're making a, a hard seltzer or something you don't have, which is predominantly a lot of the breweries started making THC seltzers. And, you know, what makes us special is we have THC kombucha. And, you know, to get the emulsion to blend with all the, the differences, like the polyphenols, the fruit, and the differences in pH, we had, to, we had to fail a couple of times before we were able to come up with something that worked. Um, now, the legal side of, of all that, as you mentioned, yeah, there's a, it's legal in the state, but federally it's not. Um, you know, there's, there's a few gray areas for sure. Um, and uh, I've been assured by my lawyer that we're doing everything correctly. And just to be safe, um, Purple Jays is also a separate company from Jays Kombucha. Um, and so, you know, we try to keep a distance between the two so that marketing doesn't get, you know, confused and um, uh, we're, not, we're not trying to market Purple Jays to the same people as we're marketing Jays yeah. Kombucha. Um, and one of the, you know, one of the reasons why it's easier as a brewery is because is you're, already, you're already marketing to people over 21 and older. And, but there's been so many, so many of my friends in the craft brewing industry have had issues with their, you know, payroll systems being shut down because, as you mentioned, uh, federally it's different. And, you know, banks are all regulated federally, so they all look at it in, in a different way. And um, I had a lot of trouble finding a bank account that would work with us and uh, finally um, found one. And I guess Chase Manhattan Bank is okay with it. So eventually I, I was able to solve some of the um, red tape uh, issues that initially presented themselves. And now we have a lovely uh, blackberry lavender uh, lemon uh, kombucha. And we're going to be coming out with a, a second flavor of raspberry hibiscus, uh, raspberry lime hibiscus. Um, so, uh, that will be 10 milligrams, um, because the, the purple J's flavor has been doing so well and sort of opened up new opportunities for us, uh, in venues and places that we weren't before. But, uh, this is, uh, this has really, um, been surprisingly, uh, good for us in the few months that we've, we've, uh, had it available. So. Yeah. And it says on the can 21 plus and then 4.2 milligrams per serving THC. Is that, I mean, I don't know, is that equivalent to a gummy or do people get a buzz off it from, I mean, different than the buzz you get off kombucha? Yeah. Yep. We, our estimation was that 4.20 grams, uh, milligrams of uh, THC would be the equivalent to a beer. Um, and anecdotally, what I've heard from, uh, some folks that have had it, 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 it very much is. It's not, it's not too much. It's not too little. But if you don't have a tolerance, a pre-existing tolerance to cannabis, then you will feel the effects. Um, it's more of a body feeling as opposed to a psychoactive uh, feeling yeah. that you would maybe get with, with smoking it. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely you're on the cutting edge or the cusp there of uh, the legalization of marijuana in different states here in California, of course, it's, it's legal as well. But I, I don't know of too many other brands that have taken this. I think GT's had some kind of a dabbling in this area as well, but I can't remember. But overall, yeah, they, mm -hmm. 
or they, they did, it was called Canna Bliss, which I thought was uh-huh. a pretty clever name. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what happened to it or why they, you know, they, they haven't really marketed it because they've been, they've been able to for a lot longer than we could. And, um, and it, I guess they're, just, they're clearly they're doing fine with uh, just a regular brand. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, what are your future plans in terms of uh, both maybe distribution or where you see where do you see your company in a couple of years, five years? I mean, you're only two years old, so maybe four or five years when you've been around twice as as long. Um, what are you aiming at? Like to be a regional Midwest brand as opposed to just Minneapolis or nationwide, or how would that? How would you sure, I think I, I think I, I would I would. Uh, like to be a regional brand, you know, being from Wisconsin, uh, that would be nice to have reach into that state and possibly, you know, neighboring states, but I wouldn't want to expand nationally, um, you know, necessarily. I mean, it doesn't, it wouldn't maybe make sense from a centralized location at the very least. I just, I think kombucha is one of those things that, um, you know, like kind of the craft brewing uh, industry is, you know, people are, are very fond of their local brands and you know there's a tendency to want to support your local uh, brewery your local kombuchery your local coffee roasters and it's it falls on into that into that space and you know i don't I, I think there's a point when where i don't want to grow anymore um but that we haven't you know we we haven't quite reached that within minnesota yet but perhaps the na- neighboring states and midwest regional would be um, would be where I see us going maybe in a few years. But for now, we're still establishing ourselves in Minnesota, which is, you know, we're still, we're still, uh, we're still working. Um, we're, we're working with, uh, against, uh, you know, some of the larger brands on, on the, on the West coast, you know, there's still shelves full of, uh, West coast brands that at co-ops that, that make me wonder like why, you know, we have the people that have been drinking kombucha or that, know about kombucha i've known about gt daves for so long and it's about introducing them to some other options uh some local options and it's just a matter of uh getting out there and and talking to people um and so you know we've we've really tried to make it a point to to sample to get to local grocery stores and sample um and and introduce it that way that's been pretty effective well that's great jason i really appreciate your time today and it's uh, refreshing to talk to somebody who's putting kombucha on the map in the Twin Cities and across uh, Minnesota and hopefully broader in the future. Uh, good luck to you. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.